Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. You are listening to The Coming Out Tapes, an audio archive of LGBTQ stories. I am your curator, Karis Bradley. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today on The Coming Out Tapes. Um, I am talking to our our next celebrity guest, who is a household favourite from uh, Best Love Show uh, television show EastEnders, uh, Stacey. Thank you so much for joining. Are you going to do an impression of Stacey? Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) so um can you introduce your yourself uh so i am uh a sort of mid-20s uh yorkshire girl now living in london um sort of getting to grips with the big city uh been here about two and a half years do a fairly boring and generic corporate job uh, but enjoying kind of being here being around my friends sort of exploring london london's queer scene things like that why did you uh, choose Stacey to be your pseudonym for today? EastEnders is an absolute iconic television show. Uh, Stacey Slater, stroke Fowler, stroke Slater again, uh, is you know one of the, one of its greatest characters, despite okay. some of her flaws. Just just you know setting <laughs> setting the scene for listeners. Um, and how do you identify Stacey? Uh, so I think I broadly identify uh, in terms of sexuality as queer but I use bisexual as well um, relatively interchangeably kind of depending on who I'm talking to um, and how familiar they might be with sort of LGBT terminology uh, and identifies as cis woman uh, from a gender perspective. Cool. Um, When did you first realise that you were queer? So was queer the first word that you used to describe your sexuality? Yeah um, I think Partly because I didn't know that many people who were sort of actively using bisexual at the time. Um, it was sort of quite common for people to avoid using bisexuals. People were sort of, at, uh, at least in my friendship group at the time, were sort of concerned about it having transphobic undertones. Um, so, yeah, so everyone everyone kind of used queer. Uh, when did I first realise... Uh, I think probably partway through university. I think it was quite a slow process of kind of getting my head around that, coming to terms with it, starting to to tell people, literally nobody being surprised by that piece of information apart from me. Um, so yeah, it was I think probably the summer between my second and third year of university was when I kind of 
properly came out to myself, I guess. Um, do you think that you didn't properly come out to yourself? Like maybe came out to yourself in other ways that you didn't really notice before then? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I think looking back on it, it's very apparent that it's sort of the extensive obsessions with tv characters who happened to be women that i thought i like deeply admired but in fact was clearly deeply in love with um was probably like little signs that i chose to overlook or sort of consciously overlooked but perhaps subconsciously kind of was recognizing laura like gilmore was very very formative in my in my late teenage years um she's a very classy woman <laughs> why did you choose the word queer I I think I thought it was just quite all-encompassing um, and I knew that I'd sort of definitely been attracted to boys, been in a relationship with boys. I had started to realise that I was probably attracted to, to girls, women, wanted to be in, in relationships with them uh, and queer felt kind of a, a, just a very comfortable fit. Um, and it somehow felt, I think, like less rigid maybe than bisexual, um, which for some reason felt like a, a, a bigger statement. I don't know. And so you now use bisexual like in some context? Yeah, so I, I use it particularly when I'm talking about my sexuality to people who are maybe aren't that familiar with LGBT uh, sort of terms or uh, older people who might sort of think of queer as being derogatory term. Um, so I tend to use that at work. I will describe myself as bisexual. Um, because that is something that I think people find easier to hold on to. And they're like, oh, I see, yes, likes, likes, like men and women. And I'm like, well, I'm a bit broader than that. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I use it sort of at work with people that I don't necessarily know that well, more straight people I don't necessarily know that well. It seems easier to help them understand what, what I mean rather than starting with queer and then having to explain what that word means to me, what it might mean to other people and things like that. Do you think that you feel comfortable, more comfortable using the word bisexual in the places where it's convenient for you to use it now that you have been out? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's, it, I've sort of grown into feeling more comfortable with the word uh, probably as I've grown into being kind of more comfortable in, in my queerness or in sort of not being straight. Um, yeah, it feels for some reason like a, in some ways a less straight word than than queer does which to me at least and now i'm much more comfortable in that it kind of makes more sense cool okay there's the first bit um so you've mentioned like a whole bunch of different places um where you use like these different kinds of, of language but when did you first come out and who was that to uh so i i actually got came come out to by one of my friends uh so start of the summer between my second and third year at university it's like hanging out in a park with one of my best friends um and she sort of turned around to me in the middle of a conversation that we were having which I, th I think was probably about a girl that I clearly liked at the time but sort of hadn't talked to anybody about that and she just kind of turns around to me and goes do you know what's really great is you never had to come out we all just just kind of knew that you were queer and I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, other people know this thing. Someone has said it out loud. Maybe that means I can say it out loud now. Um, so it was an experience that sometimes when I, when I tell people about that, they're like, oh, 
that's terrible, like somebody, you know, sort of outed you and it wasn't in your own time. But I think, to be honest, if I hadn't had that conversation, I might be sitting here some years later, still like hiding these feelings and, and feeling like I sort of can't tell anyone. So it was it was actually like a really empowering uh, moment. Uh, and after that, kind of very quickly started to have conversations with more of my friends, uh, all of whom were like, yeah, cool, we know. Um, several of whom used that opportunity to tell me that they had kissed my ex-boyfriend after we'd broken up. It was like a weird pattern. My my friends from university, I'd be like, so I've got, got something I want to tell you. Uh, I like I like girls. Uh, I think that means I'm queer. That's the word I'm I'm going to use. And they were like, oh no, I'm really glad that you felt comfortable like sharing that with me. I'm really happy for you. By the way, uh, slightly weird thing. After you broke up with this guy, uh, I got with him. And I'd be like, oh, okay, that's not the same level of sharing of information that we're doing here. Um, but yeah, so that was that was a, a weird pattern in, in coming out. But no, I mean, all of my friends were, were super great about it after I had been come out to uh, the first time. Um, so yeah, so it was, I think, a, sl- a slightly different different way of doing that conversation. Um, yeah, I was thinking when you said it, um, like my reaction was not, oh my goodness, how could someone say that to you, like outing you? I was thinking all the different ways that I've heard people do that. That's probably the, like the nicest one because they weren't like, they didn't give you a word. They were, weren't like, you're this, right? Um, it was, yeah, it, like it genuinely sounded as if they just didn't know yeah. that you weren't <laughs> out. Yeah, and and I think... To be honest, the way that all of my friends reacted, I had clearly been behaving as though everybody knew and I'd just never really said it out loud. But I think I thought it was gonna be a much bigger, bigger deal than it was. Yeah, it was it was a very very rewarding experience. Um, the really, other reactions yeah. that your friends have had, I'm less <laughs> impressed by. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it, I don't know if it is one of those things where, um, so these, uh, well, no, a couple of those friends were straight, one one isn't. Um, and I don't know whether they sort of thought that this was like an equivalent <laughs> equivalent level of like sharing a thing that you've been kind of feeling a bit awkward about, but it's probably okay to share now. Um, but no, it was, it was largely very positively received by, by my friends. Um, and then sort of as more and more people sort of like found out I had officially come out, there was a lot of like, oh, that is... It, in in no way particularly surprising it's been very apparent that you like girls for quite a long time and I was like oh uh, and then a one friend from home where we went to walk her dog uh, and we both came out to each other on the same dog walk there was a lot of crying it was very very cute um in Yorkshire in Yorkshire that does sound very idyllic yeah um before this person like came out to you did you feel as though you were in the closet um I think, yeah, I think I probably did. And I think I'd, as I'd got my head more around the fact that some of the feelings that I was having were like romantic or sort of sexual attraction to women, as opposed to being like, oh, you're really cool and awesome. And I would like to be like you. I had started to feel more and more like I wanted to tell people about that uh, and kind of hadn't been, but had instead been having conversations that on reflection were super transparent where I would say things like oh don't you think such and such is such a great person she's really cool and I'm really inspired by her and I would love to be like her 
And I think probably most of my friends were sitting there being like, and also you fancy the pants off her. <laughs> um, but I, I wasn't saying that out loud. And I think there was a bit in the back of my head that was thinking like, oh, I'd actually, I'd like to be able to have those conversations, but I felt like I, pro- I couldn't or I wasn't, wasn't Why- ready to put myself out there. Why do you think that you were articulating your feelings for the women that you like fancied by talking about wanting to be like them as opposed to wanting to be with them? I think it's probably a, I guess, a defense mechanism or a, a way of maybe slightly testing the ground to see how people reacted to, to what I said. Um, and I think... It's, it's sort of speaking to other queer women it's a thing that I've heard they also say and there's a bit of kind of internal confusion about like do I want to be this person or do I want to be with them and I think it's to some extent kind of a, a projection outwards of that and I think I was I mean stupidly just nervous of how people would react if I came out so I was kind of using it as a, as a bit of a smoke screen because when you fancy someone you want to talk about them all the time um like all the time and then it's it's kind of awkward to do that unless you sort of construct a reason um and so I had this kind of like deep admiration as my reason that I was able to talk about people were you doing that do you think in a conscious way or no I think definitely very subconsciously Uh, but when I look back at it I'm like oh man that does all make a lot more sense (laughs) yeah because I so my I like I I had the same thing where there were people that I just thought that I wanted to spend loads of time with because I thought they were really cool um but probably there was something more and I looking back on it think that maybe it was to do with um like so you feel things and then you learn what those things mean by being told what they mean or by watching other people go through those feelings like on tv or whatever um and look at how they interpret those things and because there isn't very much out there in terms of those early stages where women have crushes on other women that you get to see in the media like you don't have that frame of reference to be like oh clearly what i'm feeling is an attraction for someone um do you think that the way that you felt about these women was different to the way that you felt about men that you dated or knew that you were trying to do? I don't think so, but I think maybe the sort of the script around it was was slightly different. And probably because we didn't have those reference points of TV or films, it's harder to know quite what's going on. It's harder to, to read the situation. So you maybe notice those feelings later. And I think this is still true. I notice myself having feelings for women later than I do for men and I sort of suddenly wake up and I'm like oh I'm 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 actually quite in deep now and and I and I really like this person and I've missed the first few stages of kind of a slightly passing attraction or whatever because it isn't scripted whereas I've you know watched every rom-com under the sun and I know that like half a look across a room at a party means you're going to end up together at the end of the film with a guy you don't necessarily see that much and certainly when I was younger I didn't see any of that for two women in film or tv have you seen Netflix has set it up then you <laughs> no oh that, that's my that's okay. the one I watched it and then I immediately watched it again and I was quite <laughs> hung over but it's very good it's got Lucy Liu in it who okay. I think was one of my first <laughs> like big crushes uh I do really like that 
person. She's really cool. Do you know she's 50? No. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. No one looks like that when they're 50. I know. That's... It's very impressive. She's yeah. taking very good care of herself. Um, anyway, this is entirely <laughs> irrelevant. In, so the next question I wanted to ask was, um, in your queer like chronology or timeline or whatever, um, do you think that you came out to yourself before that moment where someone came out to you? Yes, because I think I had started to notice that I was stopping myself telling people that I fancied somebody when I did. So I think there was probably quite a short time period where I was out to myself but sort of still in in the closet more broadly if not particularly successfully because apparently everybody else knew but um so I think there was quite a short time period between me coming out to myself and sort of thinking out loud yes I'm queer and bisexual and then coming out to other people probably six months nine months which I think is a lot shorter than than it is for lots of people and again, I wonder whether that's because I'm sort of queer or, or, or bisexual. I never worried because I just kind of was able to focus on the fact that I was attracted to, to boys. So I think I did a lot of my teenage years being like, oh, I am just a heterosexual person because I fancy X boy, Y boy, uh, you know, down the street or in my class, or whatever, and managed to just ignore lots of the feelings that I probably on reflection did have for women at the same time so do you think that you had like a an epiphany moment or was it just that you maybe the way that you were thinking about your feelings kind of shifted gradually over time until it got to a point where you couldn't really pretend that it wasn't there so I think it was it was pretty incremental I also had the other thing where because I'd never really had very many LGBT friends at school because almost nobody was out at my school. I had one gay guy friend and that was, as far as I knew then, the only LGBT friend that I had. And I arrived at university and it was just full of people who were out and were super comfortable with themselves. And so I was sort of slowly, incrementally realising that maybe I wasn't straight. And then immediately panicked that I had decided this in order to be cool. Mm. or in order to fit in with my friends and I was in fact like the worst kind of homophobe because I was sort of adopting queer culture and trying to make myself into a member of the LGBT community when I wasn't so I had a bit of a a bit of a panic about that for a while uh, and then was like actually no that's not Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds Recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation They said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts they said What the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. What's happening here? Um, so I had a kind of, I guess, a weird reversal of, of how I felt or how I thought I should be identifying um, for a few months and then stopped panicking about it a bit. I don't think I would describe that as the worst kind of homophobe. <laughs> could definitely think of more horrific things that you could have done. Um, yes. <laughs> but I can understand why that would be confusing. Um, so this was all happening sort of in university. Yeah. Um, and now you've moved away from university to London. Uh, so where in your life are you out now? Uh, so I'm out to all of my friends from home, from university, uh, people at work. I keep having to re-explain to people at work that I'm bi and I do in fact like men because I'm sort of involved in our work LGBT scene and everyone has made an assumption that I'm a lesbian, which is is, is like fine and you can see how they would kind of easily done that. But I do keep surprising people by re-coming out as, as bi or queer. Uh, I am out to my parents, uh, not very successfully. Uh, they took that very, very badly. So as a result, I'm kind of not out to any of the rest of my extended family. I don't have siblings, so I probably would be out to them, but not because they don't exist. <laughs> um, the, so with the work thing, so you have to keep coming out. Like in what scenarios are you? is that kind of happening? I, I guess kind of just fairly casually, um, you know, people people will ask um you know oh are you are you dating anyone if I say yes they'll immediately say oh what's her name and I'm like oh that's that's an assumption there that you've made that I'm just going to quickly correct for future reference um I mean I am actually dating a girl so it's um so then kind of weird for me to be like well you know she's called this but also she she could be a guy that would be a possibility um so just in kind of fairly sort of casual conversation um rather than you know anybody being like oh have you met Chessie she's the office lesbian um uh but it does uh I don't know it's it doesn't it doesn't really bother me I feel like I'm sort of slowly educating uh, an office full of sort of fairly sheltered sort of cis straight white middle class men that there is a slightly broader world she says as a sort of cis middle class white woman you know are there do you know that are there any other out bisexual people in your workplace yeah we've probably got um a solid three or four um but again i think a lot of people make assumptions that based on who they know they are currently dating or who they know they have dated in the past that they are either gay or straight um and i know they're i know they're bisexual because they're like that we've talked about previous relationships or we've sort of just just chatted uh about sexuality but i think a, a lot of the office will probably assume they're kind of in in one camp or another and forget forget the middle 
That sounds it sounds incredibly tedious. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um it is I think I sort of take it in a fairly good natured way. I think I think everyone at my office is quite happy to be corrected and and then very apologetic or sort of keen to learn and and nobody gets it wrong more than like more than once uh so it's tedious but not not kind of the end of the world yeah i don't mind sort of and we are lgbt network itself is quite new uh and i think there was an immediate change in behavior uh that happened sort of as a result of that um like people the fact that people ask oh you know are you seeing anyone rather than like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Is, is I think, a change of behaviour since since we sort of, since the LGBT network was set up. Um, so people are now presuming that you, or like accepting that you could be queer. Yeah. They just- They have, just then need to, need to put me in a bucket and yeah. sometimes struggle with that. So yeah, it's not, a little tedious, not the end of the world. Um, okay, so you were out in lots and lots of places to lots of different people. Um, do you have any particularly good or particularly bad coming out stories? Uh, so I think broadly, almost every time I have come out, it has been very good um, and has been a fairly generic kind of, you know, a hug, a thanks for sharing that with me. Uh, I'm really like pleased or proud or, or, or whatever. Uh, the, the one exception to that is when I came out to my parents, uh, which went like really, truly terribly. Um, so I sat them down at the kitchen table and I told them that I was seeing someone, this someone was a girl, uh, and I sort of chose to, I'd chosen not to come out to them beforehand because we don't really talk about kind of sex, basically. We'd, we've talked about relationships before and so I wanted to wait until I could tell them in the context of me being in a relationship because I thought that would make more sense for them. Turns out, still didn't make sense for them. Um, so I told them, sort of sitting at the dining room table, and there was an eternity of silence. Uh, and eventually I left, as in left the table. Uh, then really awkwardly, we had to move some new um, living room furniture around. So we silently moved living room furniture around. They drove me back to uh the train station and then I got on a train to London but very fortunately ran into my best friend from university on the train uh and so I cried on her for a couple of hours uh and I've had a few subsequent conversations with my parents about it that have gone I mean better than silence solid silence for a few hours but not still not well uh I, w- I wouldn't say they are accepting uh, at all of of my sexuality um but outside of that we still have quite a good relationship and I think I often when I tell people this story they say like that must be terrible like it must be so hard do you even even see them and I'm like I see them all the time I go home for Father's Day Mother's Day Easter family birthdays grandparents birthdays Christmas I'm an only child so there's um, large amount of family events that that happen that I go home to and I and I see them sort of separately from them and we still have a very good relationship outside of the fact that they don't want to talk about my relationships so it's it was not a good coming out but I think it did teach me that actually that's okay uh, and that's something that is survivable and I think I I still think that at some point they'll get their heads around it. It's just going to take them 
probably longer than I wish it would. Uh, so it's, it was not, it was a, definitely a bad coming out story, but I think I still sort of learnt from that and probably learnt more than from when I told my friends and they were like, oh yeah, great. Or yeah, that's not surprising. Or, oh, I'm really pleased for you. I, I think I learnt more about actually how complicated your family relationships or your personal relationships can be and that you can have things that you don't always like about your parents, but they are still your parents and you still love them and they still love you. Do, um, have have your parents met your partner? No, um, they've made it very clear they're not they're not interested in that um, or interested in talking about it or any of that. So we just don't talk about my romantic life. Uh, instead, we talk about work or we talk about my friends or what they've been up to, um, and kind of have just sealed off that area of my life as a conversation topic. Do you ever revisit it? Every so often, um, try and bring it up. Um, I've been sort of away with my other half a few times to like, on holiday abroad. My parents normally like to know when I'm leaving the country. I think that's a fairly, fairly standard parent thing. Um, and so I will normally, you know, drop them a text and say, oh, by the way, we're going to this place, we'll be away for these dates. Uh, and they will acknowledge that they have received the information. But that's kind of it. Is this how you were expecting your parents to take it? No, I thought they'd be really cool. Um, or at least not like really cool, but I thought they'd be kind of fine about it. Um, but I think it turns out that the sort of northern plus sort of religious background uh, has has combined in a way that is more unfortunate than I expected it to be. Have they spoken at all about why they don't feel comfortable with it? No, not really. They are—they've uh, mostly just expressed that they're like very upset by by my decision that I've made. Um, they like the word decision, mm-hmm. um, and I have sort of tried to press them a bit on like why they are upset, but it just goes around in circles. So at some point they'll hopefully get their heads around it. Maybe when you have a baby. Yeah. Everyone loves a baby. Everyone loves a baby. You don't have to have a baby. <laughs> um, do, is there anything like comparable to this that has ever happened before? Like where you shared a part of your life or something has happened and then they've reacted in kind of a similar way? No, so I think um, this is probably the first time from their point of view that I've ever like let them down or disappointed them. Uh, which I think probably slightly compounds the problem. It's also, from my point of view, the first time they've ever let me down. Um, so it, it's kind of very uncharted territory. I was like a not very stroppy, not very difficult teenager. They've always been quite sort of chilled out parents. We've always got on very well. So we've never really fought before. And now it feels like we are... Well, we're not actively fighting because we're not talking about it, but it feels like there is quite a big change in the dynamic of the relationship and that none of us are at all equipped to navigate in any sensible way. So um, have you just like tried to do everything that you used to do with your parents like as normal? Yeah. So I still speak to them on the phone all the time. I text them. Uh, we do all of the things that we used to do. I tell them all about the all of the rest of my life and just like 
have to skip out or occasionally I will say things like oh yeah no I was at the cinema I saw this really good film and they'll say oh who did you go and see it with and I'm like ah yes mm, uh, Ben (laughs) Uh, and we'll sort of pick a friend name out of the air at random uh, who happens to live in London uh, so seems plausible um what kind of does that has that had like an emotional toll on on you do you think I mean I think I think it probably has um not one that I've noticed I think I've kind of boxed it off as a as a thing that at some point I'm should deal with uh and sort of get them to engage with a bit better but I think we are we're all being quite good at treating each other otherwise very normally um i still think they're like very loving and caring i still get lots of emotional support from them in other areas Uh, like if i'm having a tough time at work or if i'm stressed about something else uh so it's it's probably it's probably long term not sustainable but i think in the short term it's not done me enormous amounts of damage you and to, it sounds like in the relationship with your parents, you just sort of compartmentalized this aspect of your identity, yeah. And then you just like put it in a box and you don't talk about it. Do you think that that is this like in when you think about your identity, do you also see your sexuality in that like compartmentalized section, or do you think that it is a part of you which affects like all other parts of your life, like the way that? you are at work or what happens to you at work and what you choose to do like in your social life and that kind of thing so I think because I've had to compartmentalize it with my parents it has almost become more important to my whole identity kind of everywhere else um and it's very much a part of who I am in all other walks of life and all other ways that I do things and uh how I sort of interact with the world and interact with film and media and and people and sort of I I relish much more now going to explicitly queer spaces uh, and sort of being surrounded by queer people than I think I did before I'd told my parents and it went badly because I think I like to be able to sort of make my sexuality feel as much as my life outside of that so that it doesn't matter as much that I've kind of boxed it off. So in that context, what does coming out mean to you, do you think? I think it's probably just making people aware of that part of who I am. Uh, So I chose to come out at work because I thought it was important that people who worked with me kind of understood all of me. Uh, Because for me, it my sexuality is not just you know who I'm dating it is kind of how I am as a person uh so it was important for me to come out there and similarly once I'd started coming out to friends I immediately wanted to tell as many of them as possible because I felt like I was in some way holding something back or holding or not letting them see who I am entirely so I went round and called basically everybody I had ever known to announce to them that I was I was now coming out of the closet or, you know, that they should know that I was queer because it was important to me that they knew that. So I guess coming out is about sharing all of myself with people. Even if that means that you then immediately stop talking about that part of yourself. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a slight there's a slight irony. Um I, I think 
it at least means that I've been with my parents I feel like I've been honest and I've tried uh to sort of open up all of who I am and if they if they want to put some of that back in a box and, and ignore it that's that's kind of their call um and I think that would be kind of true of anybody who reacted badly if they were close to me I think I'd probably maybe give them the same option as my parents have had which is like okay well I've told you I've been honest and I've shared with you all of me uh and if you don't want to acknowledge that don't don't want to know that part of me that's fine but I've I've made the decision uh, and I've shared you've rejected that whatever it's fine do you think that with your parents do you consider yourself to be out with them I think so um I think it is it's a different kind of being out because of how they've reacted but I think I am still I've still shown shown them who I am I've still talked to them about it kind of as much as is sort of tolerable when when their reaction's not been not been ideal it's it's a different kind of being out I guess but I think it probably still is still counts Thank you so much for listening. Um, you've been listening to me, Karis Bradley. I'd like to say a couple of thank yous to the other people who've worked on this project. So Alex Lathbridge, who has helped with the hosting of the podcast and also the compiling of, of the music that you've heard, um, and to Scary Boots for creating our incredible artwork. Please subscribe, review, tell your friends, spread the word. Um, and if you want to get involved and be interviewed on the podcast, then there's a link um, on the website and in the bio of our, our Twitter. So there's a little form that you can fill out. I hope you have a lovely day. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.